and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Rebeck. I'm a partner in our research division. I'm here with Rupert Wood, who heads our research in fibre and wireless infrastructure. We're going to talk about a piece that Rupert recently published on the, the C-band auction and on Verizon's fixed wireless access plans. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes. So Rupert, let's just start off by looking at what um, Spectrum Verizon bought and, and what's it planning to do with it? Well, thanks, Tom. Um, Verizon acquired, uh, on average, uh, 161 megahertz of C-band, which more than doubles its sub-6 gigahertz spectrum holdings to almost 300 megahertz. And and that's, that's more in terms of what it's bought than AT&T and, mobile, uh, and T-Mobile. But uh, T-Mobile's total uh, sub-6 gigahertz portfolio is still greater than either. Um, in terms of what it's planning to do with it, um, it says it plans to reach 250 million pops with C-band 5G by 2025. But it also said that its greatest new 5G market opportunity is home, in inverted commas. Uh, and so it plans, and I think this is the important bit, a, a national FWA service with which it hopes to cross-sell mobile uh, and home broadband to each other. And so what are the targets for that? fixed wireless access uh, service? Well, uh, from what it said, it plans to reach 50 million 5G uh, FWA homes passed by 2025. And that's that's an interesting figure in itself, because when you compare this to the 250 million POPs figure, from that, it would appear that only about half the homes in each cell will qualify as homes passed for, for FWA. Um, as for take-up, which I suppose is the important bit, um, Verizon said it wanted to convert half the 33 million homes it serves with mobile, it currently serves with mobile, into broadband homes. Now, Verizon already has some FTTH in its existing wireline footprint, plus a bit of ADSL and 4G FWA. But its wireline, its wireline footprint is, is quite small, quite restricted to the northeast of the USA. And in order to do this on a national basis, um, it would le- need at the very least, and I think in all probability more, 10 million new FWA subscribers to achieve that target of converting half its 33 million uh, mobile homes into FWA homes. So so how, how realistic do you think that target of 10 million, 10 million is, I guess, both from a commercial and from a technical perspective? Well, um, from a from a commercial retail perspective, yes, I, th- I think I think it is achievable. Um, uh, several operators in Europe have a fifty percent plus tie-in of postpaid mobile to broadband. So you know, FMC has been uh, sort of up and running and sort of a, a standard sort of business model for 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 a decade or so in in Europe. Uh, and and cross-selling broadband is, as far as indicated, simply a matter of adding another line to what are already often multi-SIM family accounts. So from, from that commercial retail perspective, I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's eminently achievable. From a technical perspective, I think it's also possible, but it would add great, and I, I, we think kind of intolerable strain on the mobile network. That is, unless it builds out millimeter wave much further. Uh, think, think of it this way. Um, <clears throat> let's, for simplicity's sake, assume 10 gigabytes per smartphone subscriber and 400 gigabytes per broadband subscriber is roughly what it is in the USA at the moment. And that the growth rate is the same on on both uh, fixed and mobile, on both mobile and broadband, I should say. And that would be about 30%. Um, On that point, it's worth remembering that AT&T recently in its investor day showed that over the past six years, mobile traffic and fixed traffic on its network have grown at about the same rate. 
So there's no no explosion of mobile over and above fixed. And so if Verizon did get a 20% conversion rate of homes passed, that would be you know, about 10 million subscribers. Then by 2025, about uh, three quarters of traffic would be FWA. Now, that's the equivalent of quadrupling the number of mobile subscribers. So, you know, that's, 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 that, that's a pretty tough ask. And, of course, you know, that will be offset by, by new spectrum, by all that new spectrum they've got. So it's doubling its portfolio and the spectral efficiency gains of 5G. Uh, and assuming steady market share gain in broadband and assuming gradual release of C-band carriers, the loading on the on the on the c-band network uh, uh on, on the or on the totality of sub six gigahertz uh, capacity should be bearable over the next two years or so but with, uh, without new without even more spectrum that is suitable for the macro grid the, that loading on the network will start to ramp up significantly after that even uh, even assuming that by 2025 quite a lot of um traffic is offloaded onto millimeter wave and, and that will lead to a serious deg degradation of mobile performance and i think so you know that's a, that's a major problem so what could it do to avoid that that, that problem how could it how could it improve performance um what else could it do with that millimeter wave spectrum well uh, well um, it, it could use millimeter wave spectrum but i mean the one of the two things it could do without millimeter wave spectrum um uh, um it could be more efficient with the existing capacity it's got. And, you know, people talk about slicing out the mobile and the FWA part of 5G on a 5G standalone platform, you know, and that would help to mitigate a sort of imbalanced loading. But, you know, uh, slicing doesn't magically create new capacity. So however, however clever you are with the capacity you've got, you know, you're not creating anything new. It could aspire to get more mid-band spectrum, and there's another 100 megahertz of uh, spectrum up for auction later this year. Um, there may be some caps on that. We don't know. Um, most of the other options are for shared spectrum. And uh, importantly, the 6 gigahertz band has gone to uh, Wi-Fi in the USA. Uh, so the other other things they could do, they could be cleverer with the with with with, with the with the RAN. Uh, they could use higher orders of MIMO or or even densify the macro grid, um, um, and, and that 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 is possible. But although it's uh, you know it, it, it's costly, uh, another option, which is perhaps more <coughs> appropriate, uh, and as you've mentioned it already, uh, appropriate for um, for broadband is to overlay more millimeter wave. Uh, uh, this is the, the best but most expensive option. Now, Verizon already has extremely large reserves of millimeter wave spectrum, but millimeter wave um, for FWA has a cost structure more like FTTX than mobile. <laughs> um, and it's uh, its own data from, from that investor day, uh, well, it, its own data um, indicates that um, it could it probably gets about 50 homes passed per millimeter wave small cell uh way less than what you'd get in terms of homes passed on a c-band macro cell mm. and and we don't we'd estimate um that it would cost as much as 500 to a thousand dollars per homes passed when fiber backhaul is factored in so that you know that that metric cost per homes passed is you know it's absolutely standard to the fixed line world um, and that's that's a fair bit. That's 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 FTTH sort of territory. Um, 
And Verizon said it planned to get millimeter wave to 31,000 sites by the end of 2021, and that would be one to two million homes passed. But it didn't indicate further plans. And you can see that, you know, 31,000 sites to one to two million homes passed is not national coverage by any yeah, stretch. It doesn't cross that gap to get to it to, no. to 10 million. Um, at the end of the peach, you, you said something that I thought was interesting, and you said from a global perspective, Verizon's and T-Mobile's mobile-centric convergence approach looks ex- increasingly eccentric. Can you say a bit more about that? Yes. Um, from operator plans we look at worldwide, actually very few are going to rely on 5G to deliver home broadband, except in areas that are intrinsically hard to reach with wired solutions, which is, from a modern network perspective, basically FTTH. In fact, the, the number of mobile-only operators worldwide is in sharp decline, and uh, FTTH investment globally is very strong, not, ju- not just from the incumbent operators that have already al- always provided wired, wired solutions in those areas, but also from competitors that uh, you know, have hitherto not really um, been into uh, fixed-line telecoms. So, you know, outside the USA, the tide in static broadband investment, fixed broadband investment, is definitely moving away from mobile and towards wired, uh, uh, in other words, fiber. Um, Verizon is, isn't alone in uh, in the USA in pushing FWA. Uh, T-Mobile, I've hinted at, also has a, a more modest plan to capture 7 to 8 million FWA subscribers by 2025. Um, and and that with with more spectrum, spectrum that has better coverage, um, and spectrum that has better outdoor to indoor propagation than that that than, than than what Verizon has, but both of their approaches contrast sharply with that of AT and T, which says it said it sees only limited use cases for FWA, and says that it could roll out. Uh, up to 4 million FTTH homes passed per year to reach over 30 million homes passed by 2025. And I think, you know, what's important in all of this is the incentive to convert homes passed into subscribers. Each of these companies' incentives to to capture new broadband subscribers will be very different. Once an operator has built FTTH, it's absolutely incentivized to convert all those homes passed into subscribers. But with um, <clears throat> mobile-based, uh, C-band-based FWA, certainly, an operator would be incentivized to keep the conversion rate under control or to build out a new densified capacity layer, a millimeter wave, uh, to meet demand, and even then have a network that would, in all probability, certainly underperform FTTH in terms of uh, in terms of key performance metrics, and and also almost certainly underperform DOCSIS three point one, or DOCSIS four four point zero. So you know we're seeing that the you know the future of consumer telecoms everywhere, not just in the USA as well. The USA is kind of late to this game. Lies in fixed mobile convergence in uh, uh, you're selling home broadband and mobile uh, to to the same account. Despite ending up with this, the smallest uh, sub six uh, gigahertz spectrum holding, um, AT and T looks in the strongest position with its hybrid fiber wireless approach. Thanks. I mean, it sounds like AT and T is more like operators from around the world, from other uh, fixed mobile converged operators around the world, 
T-Mobile is maybe more like mobile-only operators that we see in other countries where they have some fixed wireless plans, but maybe not too aggressive. And, and then Verizon is a bit of an exception because it's going so aggressively into fixed wireless. Yes, I think that's right. Um, the uh, AT&T has a certain advantage in this. It has a larger wireline footprint than either Verizon and T-Mobile mm. simply doesn't have one uh, um, and therefore can build on um, <clears throat> some fibre to the cabinet deployments that it's already made in those areas. So it's cost, it's, it's cost per home pass to roll out more FTTH would be lower than Verizon, which would be building in effectively new territory or territory where it only has um, fiber to mm. to backhaul mobile networks so it has a certain advantage but we'd certainly see with uh, 35 you know 30 35 million homes past ftth looks like a much stronger position to be in than 50 million fwa homes past okay great thank you thank you rupert yeah so there's plenty more content on both fixed wireless access and on Verizon's plans on the Analysis Mason website. To automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. Thank you for listening.